welcome to the Australian Ancestry Podcast. The Australian Ancestry Podcast was started by me, Ryan Carl. I started it because it was really difficult to start my family tree research when I began a couple of years ago. And I'd like to share my tips and tricks along with a great range of resources to make things dramatically easier for you as an Australian budding genealogical researcher. Without further ado, let's crack on to the second episode of the series. Thank you to all the listeners and feedback over the last few weeks. The reach has been great to watch over time. Uh, we've had uh, commentary uh, all across the globe. Uh, I, I knew this would be a topic of interest for a lot of Australians and a lot of people like you and me who are really trying to improve our own research and find more out about ourselves. Um, but what I was shocked about was how many people were actually interested about this topic from overseas. And I imagine it's perhaps Australians that are living overseas. Um, but clearly there were some people that were writing into me via the uh, Instagram page um, and on the, the Facebook page as well who were really interested in what we were talking about. So please continue to forward through your comments. Um, I noticed that um, Tom from Ipswich uh, was quite keen for me to explore um, how we can start off our family tree. Um, and so thank you, Tom, for your contribution. Um, that's something I wanted to explore in uh, today's podcast. So uh, thank you so much for that um, topic and uh, I'm going to explore that in today's session. Um, it's been a really interesting month so I do apologize for the delay in releasing this next podcast um, but you know this year has been pretty hectic so uh, have some patience and hopefully we can start to release these a bit more frequently once a fortnight is the goal and hopefully uh, that can continue to occur. Interestingly enough um, around the time that we released the first podcast uh, there was actually an episode on the Australian network uh, SBS Insight. Um, for those who don't know SBS, it's the Multicultural and Special Affairs TV channel in Australia. Um, and for those that do, uh, as we know, SBS uh, is a really, really fascinating channel. They have a lot of different content on there. Um, but particularly the show of interest I want to talk about um, at the very beginning here uh, is called Insight. Insight is a, a sort of a documentary slash panel interview type show. And uh, every week they have a session, um, they actually explore a particular topic. It's usually a fairly emotional topic. Um, they've had many, um, you know, all across the place. Uh, war mysteries in your family, um, you know, adoption, um, being a twin, you know, topics from all over the place. Uh, but this particular topic, just after we aired that first episode of uh, the Australian Ancestry podcast, was all about discovering your biological family um, and through researching your family tree and finding out some secrets that perhaps you may not have known about before. Um, for those that didn't watch it, I would definitely recommend giving that a watch. It was very, very interesting to not only see, I guess, how we can sometimes lull ourselves into a false sense of um, who our family may be uh, because there are some unanswered secrets there that we perhaps um, haven't been able to reach or, or interestingly enough, um, perhaps there's a DNA test that we haven't done and, and so some of the research that we've completed is not as complete as it may have, should have been. Um, so there were multiple really, really interesting stories in that episode, um, one of which was a lady uh, by the name of Fiona um, and Fiona had been told by her family for a long period of time um, that she was donor-conceived um, and that her, her donor was obviously a random person or at least she was led to believe that it was a random person um, and they never really quite knew you know, who the father was. And so she went through life, a period of her life believing that that was the case. Um, 
later in life she actually discovered that um, her her uh, her biological dad was actually the specialist who had been performing the IVF uh, procedures um, you know with her family and in fact he'd actually used his own um, DNA samples um, across potentially hundreds hundreds of different people hundreds of different families so it turns out she actually had uh, lots and lots and lots of siblings out there um, across the world because she's originally from South Africa and and um, yeah that story um, obviously a lot of people um, in South Africa have migrated across the globe so it just goes to show uh, some of the common pitfalls, I guess, with performing a DNA test, there are some real secrets there that you need to be psychologically prepared to accept um, and to um, to really move on with. But uh, for those who haven't seen that particular episode, it came out um, late September, September the 22nd. Definitely is a show that you need to watch. Um, another gentleman in that particular show, uh, he was um, uh, he he researched his family tree history and was convinced that he was uh, I think he was Irish. Um, he had a large um, family gathering and he you know raised funds to um, help build up his family headstone on one of his common ancestors and he organized a gathering amongst all the second third you know fourth cousins um, and at a certain point in time I believe it was again a DNA test he actually realized that very quickly um, the family that he thought was his biological family um, he was not actually related to them at all and quickly ascertained that he was actually Indigenous Australian, which, again, some of our listeners would be in, in that um, position. So um, for me, I've performed a DNA test um, fairly recently. Uh, I think I mentioned that in the first podcast, um, but I recently purchased the additional pack that was offered on the uh, MyHeritage website, which was around the health testing. So if you haven't done a DNA test, um, I'm not saying it should be your first foray into the, um, to the hobby, um, but it's something that perhaps can answer some questions around where your heritage comes from. If you believe that your relatives are from Sweden, Norway, England, Ireland, whatever the case may be, India, China, um, but all of a sudden you're getting matches that are in countries which you didn't really necessarily expect, um, that will start to illustrate that story for you a bit more. Um, but yeah, it's a really, really interesting episode. Definitely recommend watching that. It'll be some of the themes that we've um, started to unpack here on the podcast. So on to starting your family tree. Um, so again, thanks, Tom, for that question um, earlier in the month. So I think the, the starting point really needs to be the interview piece. You need to be interviewing your family and establishing where those common links are. Um, again, in my situation, there was not much that we knew about at all. There was a few various themes. But what I found of most value was my grandfather had a couple of common, um, common names that he remembered, last names, middle names. So we went back into uh, two or three generations before him. And even though it was this vague name that you would sort of think, uh, well, it can't be of much utility when it came to searching for those common ancestors, it proved really useful. Because in those days, especially if your family had been living in English-speaking countries for some time, or even within Australia itself, what was really common in those days was that a last name, especially on the maternal side, would actually be passed down um, as a middle name um, to some of the, um, uh, the kids that that family would have later on. So there was a particular last name that actually popped up as a middle name in some of my family, and that allowed me to 
flesh out an entire branch of the family tree really successfully. Um, so it was only through having those conversations that we were able to draw a lot of that out. And it's something I definitely recommend doing if you've um, still have relatives that are, you know, within the family today, um, or even second and third cousins, you know, perhaps they're more distant than you would like. Try and have those interviews um, and those sessions uh, as much as you can and record as much as you can. The other thing I'll note, though, is you need to have a healthy dose of skepticism. Uh, naturally, some of the names that pop up in the conversations you have with your family, um, they may not necessarily be on the right track, um, but it will help you to strike out some of the areas that you think are perhaps a little bit too convenient to believe. Um, again, there were some names in my family tree uh, within Tasmania, um, and they were really... Um, they were a very common last name. They were a common last name because it was associated with some of the um, the govern, uh, government and administration um, at the time. And it turned out it was just a very popular name for the simple reason that um, obviously if you're in a place of poverty and you're naming your children um, or even your last name of your partner, um, they might not have even known their last name or perhaps they've you know, um, moved on, uh, wanted to get away from that life and adopt a new name for themselves uh, and so there was this name popping up in the family tree I constructed a whole family tree around that particular name and um, in the end once I came back to it again with fresh eyes it was completely wrong I mean the name was correct um, the family was correct um, but the linkages between my family and this more famous family um, they weren't as clear as they originally appeared to be so again, you know, number one, please make sure you have those conversations with your family and you start to record those common names and those common ancestors. Could even be a brother um, of a grandfather or of a second cousin and so on. You'll start to get common linkages through there. Um, but number two, healthy dose of skepticism. Um, again, that's going to really help you out um, when it comes to making sure you can, um, um, you know, through the process of elimination, take out names in there that are just a little bit too convenient. And perhaps... They could be right, um, but just you need to cross-check your research. It's one of the biggest things that amateurs like ourselves on that journey really need to learn at the very beginning. Number three, name spelling. Last names as well as first names, they are commonly spelt in many different ways. So I looked at one of my ancestors, for example, in South Australia even, and they'd come over from England originally, parts of England there in the south. Um, and it was a very common last name, or at least it was in that region that they came from. So that was easy enough to trace. What I found most interesting was when they migrated over to South Australia, the name was actually recorded incorrectly. And sometimes what you notice, especially in the colonial records, is that the name is actually recorded incorrectly from the very beginning. Your family may have been slightly illiterate. It was very common in those days. And they'll just go with the new spelling, the adopted spelling. Conversely, um, in England, let's say, for example, um, two, three, four hundred years ago, what you take as the correct spelling of your last name may have actually changed over time. And it may not be due to illiteracy. It may just be due to um, the fact that, you know, um, as they've begun to become literate, they've spelt it a different way. And that's become the adopted way of spelling that last name. So, Definitely something I would advise our listeners to do is to definitely cross-check many ways um, that that name can be spelled. The next tip I'd give everyone really is um, gravestone research, okay? So 
it's one of the simplest and easiest ways to start to pair together the families. Again, please bring that healthy dose of skepticism um, when you see those common last names in a cemetery or a gravestone, especially for those older ancestors going back 100 plus years. You will, especially if they've lived in a smaller village, um, assume that they're all related. Now, often they were, um, but again, if we've got those common English, Irish, Scottish, whatever the case may be, last names, uh, it can be incredibly difficult to then, unless you go that next level of down research, to determine whether or not they're the same family or not. Um, but regardless, anyway, the point is, if you start to look at gravestones and you start to look at cemeteries, um, I would say you've got a 50 to 60% degree of certainty in a smaller village or a smaller town set up, or even in the larger capitals, Sydney's and Melbourne's a long way back, um, that they are related. But you just need to make sure that um, obviously they're on the gravestone, they're in the same plot in that cemetery and so on. So that's definitely something to keep an eye out for as well. Um, so that's a, that's a very handy tip. And the great thing about that research is um, you often don't need to be doing that in person. Um, it's better if you can. You can naturally go and talk to the authorities there, whether it's a cemetery or a, um, a church. Um, but naturally, a lot of those records are digitized, um, especially on websites that you that are not associated with the big brand names like your ancestries or um, my heritage. So you can actually go on Billion Graves um, on Google, um, and there's a, a couple of other ones that I'll probably post on the Instagram and some show notes. Um, but you can find a lot of this stuff for free. The key is to establish roughly when they passed away um, or roughly when they were born um, and then obviously to um, try and find groupings of the family in that cemetery. Um, moving on to the next tip, um, I think the one of the most important things to do is often people will hit a dead end when they're trying to define their family tree. So they will you know, go up and they will um, establish maybe a grandfather, a great-grandfather, um, hit the wall because they can't find any articles online with regards to that particular individual. And so they're starting to go, well, I, I can't go any further than 1900, for example. You can. Um, what I've found, uh, it's a really easy um, trick of the trade, is by establishing, and it takes a long time, mind you, so this is not something I'd ever recommend to do at the beginning, um, but once you've fleshed out a bit of a bare bones type setup of your tree, definitely give this a go, um, is to really establish at every single layer of the tree, and again, this is time consuming, uh, but to look at every layer of that tree. So I'm talking about, you know, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, and so on and so forth. You need to map out every layer of that. So I'm talking about their brothers, their sisters, um, you know, their wife's brothers and sisters, whatever the case may be. It's critical because when you're talking about immigration records, convict records, um, you know, commercial records for purchases of property, even wills and trusts, because in many jurisdictions like Tasmania, they're very, very easy to, um, to track um, that way uh, when you have a, a bunch of associated names. Uh, it's important to make sure you know who was who in the zoo, um, pardon the expression, but who is who in the family? Um, because perhaps there's an adopted son or an adopted daughter um, and you know the rest of the family's done very well at the time of the passing of the relative. Um, and so you know your ancestor has given all of their material wealth um, to an adopted child. Um, so 
Whereas if you haven't done that research and you don't know where people fit into that tree, and I'm talking about, again, going across the siblings and everyone that was involved in the family, you're not going to be able to see those linkages. Um, you know, you might just assume that that particular person referenced in a will has no relation to you or your family, and, and they do. They often do. Um, many of the instances that I discovered in my tree, um, initially I thought it was it was completely unrelated, and then as time went on, yeah, they actually were part of the same family um, or were brought into the family later in life. So it's definitely something that's really, really interesting um, to do as well. Um, the next tip I think I would suggest would be um, definitely paying for a subscription on one of the, the major brands. Again, the Heritage, My Heritage, the Ancestry.coms, some of the other tools that are out there. Um, I don't do this because I'm sponsored by anyone. I'm not. This is uh, more of a community service. But when you do pay for that extra layer on the subscription, you can store more information on the website. Um, and you can also, they have a lot of the tools called instant discovery. So it'll pop up once you've got, you know, that base, that bare bone tree established, it'll pop up with what it believes to be is that next layer up. Okay. So that ancestor above that great grandfather from your grandfather, for example, your grandmother. Um, so again, you need to have, bring that healthy dose of skepticism into that. It's definitely not something that you, um, are going to want to just rely on. But again, if you grab that research and you then apply it across the various different jurisdictions of the births, deaths, and marriages, you put those similar names in. And the information on those websites is usually pulled from the BDMs across the respective jurisdictions. Um, you can then start to verify whether or not those instant discoveries are you know, an accurate um, source of information or not. Um, so I think that's, that's it in terms of my beginner's tips. Um, it's definitely a good place to start with those conversations with your family if you haven't done already. Um, get a DNA test, bring the healthy dose of skepticism with you um, and then yeah, definitely start to consider the different ways in which your name may have been spelt you know, across the last, and I'm even saying the last 300 years. I mean, you do lose a certain degree of accuracy as you go on through the ages. It's definitely true. Um, but consider the different ways that your name may have been spelt. Again, you know, Richards may have been spelt as Rickards. Um, just really small, I call them hacks, you know, um, small hacks like that. They're definitely really important to do when you're performing that research. Again, graves and cemeteries are definitely a fantastic place to start, especially if you have lost some contact with those particular parts of the family, um, but you know in the areas that they lived in or, or certainly you've got a degree of confidence around the region that they may have been in. And I think, you know, again, you know, talking about that insight on SBS episode, um, watching it will give you an idea of, I guess, some of the conversations that you can have with your family and um, perhaps some of the niggling ideas that you may have had about some of the areas that, um, that could have happened. So again, if you're talking about that donor, that IVF situation, you know, perhaps there are some blind spots you may not have thought about before. Okay, guys, definitely want to continue to focus on some of the, the questions that you guys are forwarding through. So definitely continue to send those through. I'm aiming to have an interview with a um, couple of professional genealogists in terms of some more tips and tricks around the best ways to perform searches on the respective Australian government administrations because, uh, again, they're all slightly different. I think there's ways that we can, you know, make things a bit easier for ourselves. And that's something that I really want to focus on the next couple of episodes. 
Thanks for joining us this week on the Australian Ancestry Podcast, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, RSS, or via your favourite podcast app so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or your favourite podcast app, or simply tell a friend about the show. Have a great week ahead. Happy hunting with your research and see you next time.